Ben, how's it going? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, man. Good. Just uh, shit off. Felt a bit work today after five hours on the jet ski yesterday. Yeah. Um, geez, I'd like to shut that kid up. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, it'd be, um, well, it'd almost be like, because you know, well, you know, when you do a bit of a trail ride and you haven't been for a while, you get, your arms are just, you know, the, you just get sore in places that you haven't been sore. So I'm imagining that's what you're going through. Dude, 100%. Um, last time it was hard to uh, narrow it down, though. I got had a bit of a sore lower back, but I'd also done a couple of big days in the tinny. And I think the tinny, as we've spoken about before, sitting in the tinny in that tiller drive is bloody hard on the lower back. And um, I, my lower back was fine. But uh, yeah, I mean, and and yeah, that that trail ride one is a is a great comparison, um, or or riding a horse or something like that is is another one. But yeah, definitely felt feeling some muscle groups today that I haven't felt quite that way before. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's a beast, man. It's six hundred kilos, and it's one hundred and seventy horsepower, and it does eighty clicks you know, 80 kilometres an hour. I think that's just in the normal mode and it's got a sport mode, which I think it does 100 k's an hour and it's and way more snappy. Um, And I was, yeah, I was out on it for a few hours and I did, I went out, I don't know exactly how far I went out because we'd already gone out a, a couple of few k's and we were fishing for a bit and then I, and it was a bit slow and I said, oh, I know of some pins and I looked them up on the GPS and they are 8K away. And I was like, surely it won't take me that long to get there. It took me about five minutes to get there and about two or three minutes to get back just freaking wide open. Uh, and then we mucked around there for a bit again and then and then I lined up another spot that was about 12 and a half Ks away and I, and I pumped out there. That was less than oh, 10 minutes max just sort of cruising and stopping and starting a few times and then... And I was getting the hang of it. I found, I worked out, like, you know when a horse is trotting and it's all like, have you ridden horses much before? Yeah, quite a bit. Yep. Yeah, you know when a horse trots and it's quite bumpy and then and then they hit the canter and it smooths out a little bit but it's still got a bit of a chop and then they hit the gallop and it just smooths, you're hauling ass and you're like, holy shit, hold on, but it's it smooths out. Mm. Um, the Well, Obviously, in a certain size sea, it was bloody flat yesterday. But um, that's what I found. I was doing sort of oh, 40 or 50 k's an hour, and the ski was staying flat and just smacking right into the next little swell or chop, like quite flat and hitting it on the nose. Mm-hmm. And as I started opening it right up, it actually started getting more air, and, and it was doing this rolling thing where instead of sort of whacking right into it nose first or really flat, it started getting enough air that the nose would lift a bit and the arse would sort of land first and it would roll down into it quite smooth. Um, And that was sort of more like, so 40, 50k an hour is actually quite bang, bang, bang. And then as I hit sort of 50, 60k an hour, it started rolling into it. Um, And then... And then it flattened off a bit. The, the wind dropped off a bit more, and I was out wide at the spot. There was a, a ton of kingies there, but I couldn't get them to bite. 
um, on jigs or soft baits or slow. I was throwing all sorts of stuff at them and bloody going hard and just couldn't get them to blow following up. But they weren't on the bite. And then um, mate, some mates were out there too and he rung up and was like, big workups back here, man. And um, back where they were, about 8K, oh, 10, 12Ks back. And... Uh, yeah, I just I just booked it back, sitting on eighty most of the way, and um, it was like it. And there's two you can lock in hard with your legs. There's quite a because I used to ride dirt bikes a lot, you know. And there's a lot of it's all this most of the you know, the machine's different in the way the ski works and and jet engine. You know, you haven't got steering unless you're on it. Um, but there's a lot of things um, that are the same. A lot of the same muscles. And, and sort of, um, you know, neural pathway type thing. You know, like I click into it pretty quick. But you lock in with your legs. It's got these big, this big scoop out um, of sort of the, what would be the tank area on a motorbike. And you've got your, your feet locked down on the ground. And you can sort of squeeze in and push up with your, with your legs. And your legs are actually locking you in there. And and but when you're going real fast, you're holding on with your hands quite hard too. And um, I was trying; I had to button off. I just arm pumped right up, and the legs started getting tired, and I had to button off, you know. Um, but uh, oh, it's it's so cool, man! It's so cool when it's flat like that. How fast they go, and then how how good they are to fish off, and that, and you know that that big fish. Uh, Fish Pro, it's a Sea-Doo Fish Pro. Yamaha makes a big one. There's a couple of other big, the big touring ones, you know. Um, they're pretty stable now, eh? Pretty, pretty unreal machines. Mm. Any fish? Uh, my mate's got a couple. It was pretty slow all in all. My mate, mate's got a couple of snapper and a big trev and a couple of other bits and pieces, soft baiting, three of them. I think they only ended up with three or four fish in the bin, and I struggled too. Um, I got one kawaii on the big stick bait, which sort of, he dropped it right by the boat. That was in a workup. I was casting the stick bait flat out trying to get a kingy, you know. And then right at the end, just like random as out of the blue, I saw a couple of big marks. Uh, well, not even big. I thought, oh, that's probably a snapper. I still had a, a big heavy slow jig on, you know, the ones with the with the heavy little ball and the skirt with the two hooks in it? Yeah. Yeah, sort of one of those, but a bit of a chunkier one. Or um, like Lucanus or something. It's a yeah, it's a Luca- yeah, style, but it's a, it's just a cheap one I got off um, off Marine Deals, and it's got like a you know like a um, the old school green fluoro stuff. Yeah, it's got that on the head, and yeah. the head doesn't slide like some of them do. It's just fixed. So it works quite good because I use a little bimney clip when I'm soft baiting so I can switch my jig heads over quick. Mm. And because it isn't a slider that you actually have to slide the ball over the line and then tie it on, I can just clip it off and on and and just clip it straight on. And it's Mm. also some of those Lacanus have a real tiny fine hook, which I think may be good good hookup rate for snapper or whatever. But this has actually got... These have actually got a good. They're still relatively small, but um, probably a four or five baro, like a bit bigger and quite heavy, quite chunky. You know, um, I've caught snapper on it. We had it going real good in some workups in the first attempts, 
Uh, yeah, and I dropped that down to this mark, thinking, oh, I'll see if I can pick up a snapper here. And I got one bite, dropped it, and then hooked up another one, um, and it was hissing on the little 8kg um, soft bait rods. You know, it's the tiny little egg beater. Um, and it was a kingy. It was a, it was eighty two centimeters. I measured him when he got home, when I got home. Um, but yeah, that, so that was just total random, semi fluky sort of, well semi fluky, but not really either. I was I was you know, jigging right where the big workups had just been. Mm. Um, but yeah, just a bloody quiet day. Uh, they were probably maybe just coming on the bike. The tide had just been turned for a while and was starting to run again. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, yeah, it, it was a good tussle on the little soft bait ride. It took me about 15, 20 minutes to get the bugger up. Yeah, yeah, that's what you want, though. But yeah, as long as there's no structure around in there, it's quite good, eh? Yeah, well, it was out over the sand there, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah good times, yeah. Yeah, it was. Would have been towing your jetty around. Pretty much. I actually fo- started it up and followed it a bit a couple of times because it was smoking off doing these big, and I just couldn't lift it, you know, when you haven't, when you're on that light gear. And Kingy's, um, you can sort of nurse them up and not try not to piss them off, you know. You can feel them just beating and just cruising, and then you try to lift, and they and they beat off. They're like, nah, not having any of that. Um, mm. And he, I just couldn't lift him. Every time I, I um, tried to lift, he'd just peel off, and then and then I'd nurse him for a while and try to lift, and he'd peel off again. He did that. That was the first ten minutes, and every time I got a big angle on the line, I just started the jet up and just just trundled up slowly um, towards him and just wound up all the slack, got directly above him, and tried starting. And I couldn't even lift him for ten minutes, and then he just slowly started coming up. Mm. Mm. Oh, bloody good. Yeah. Um, oh, that's bloody good that the old ski's going good then. You won't know what to take out. Oh, man, I, yeah, I'm frothing on it, eh? Um, <clears throat> I think, yeah, I think, like I was saying, yo, I basically want to get a bigger boat. As soon as I got that ski and I took it out and seen what it was like, and then yesterday was just confirmed that... Um, that can be my thing that I can easily just hook on, shoot down to the harbour or shoot out to the cart, and I'm out on the water on my own, zipping around, getting my fix, you know. Mm. Um, and and uh, that frees me up to get a bigger boat for the more serious missions when, when, when someone else can come with me or I've got more time or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like like yeah. that that little tinny the the FC four thirty is a wicked little boat. I caught I had a ton of fun in it and caught a crap load of fish. Um but uh yeah, it's just time to just progression, eh? Mm. Need, need progression and um mm. move on and do other stuff. Yeah. 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 Yeah, bloody hell. Um, actually, one thing I did that was exciting is I shot a one-inch group at 200 yards with my Rigby 275, which, which is pretty mean for that <laughs> Yeah, with the big old Rigby. Um, so, yeah. so the Rigby, I haven't seen it in person yet, or even a, like a photo or on video. Um, yeah. Can I can I Google it? Can I bring it up on the phone? What's it? What's it? Um, what's it called? <clears> real quick. Rigby. It's a rugby Highland Stalker, and it's a two seven five rugby caliber, which is a seven times fifty seven. 
Rigby. Highland Stalker. And, um, yeah, so I've been doing this load development on it, and I, so I've loaded the 140 Acubombs uh, <laughs> with Hodgson's powder, and they're coming out pretty stout. They're coming out just um, about 2980. What weight? 140 grain. Yeah. And I sighted it in. Yeah, no, nah, good as. And I knew sort of when I was sighting it in that it was going to be pretty tidy because I shot, moved it straight away, shot, and I, it took me two shots to sight in. And then I was on to the... I just went straight back to 200 yards because it was it was bang on at, um, at 30 yards, which if you don't know, uh, 30 yards is a pretty good side-in distance, and if you're bang on there, you'll be bang on at 200 mm. with most calibers. And roughly inch uh, and a half high at 100. Yeah, it'll put you inch and a half high at 100, but yeah. it's quite good because 30 yards you can get really, it's easy to sight in, you can get really precise and bang on the old little red dot, and then you go back. And so I went back to 200 yards, and I just, I filled the mag, which holds five, and I was like, right, I'm just going to, because I've broken the barrel in, you see, and it took me sort of 20 shots to get that broken in, and then I um, just shot five shots, and and, uh, they all came in. I I thought I was missing and all sorts of things, but, you know, they're all, they're all under an inch at 200, so um, pretty bloody, pretty happy with that. <laughs> That's epic, man. That is a beautiful rifle, eh? It is a beautiful rifle, and um, for the listeners, you don't go buying one because, geez, they're expensive. <laughs> just a pre-COVID um, purchase. Yeah, yeah, mm. it's, it's just, uh, uh, I'm just mucking around with your levels here, man. Um, it's just, uh, oh, yeah, beautiful, classic-looking rifle. Um, beautiful wooden stock walnut, is it? Yeah, yeah, should yeah. yeah. Beautiful uh, walnut, yeah, and it's... Because um, what happens with the rugby, if you don't know anything about them, they are one of the oldest um, rifle makers in the world, but they, like all rifle manufacturers, they sold their company to, this, to the States, and they sold it to Japan, and, you know... It, so eventually they bought it back and it's now made again in London. And I actually went to the factory when I was playing footy over there. I, I tubed in and, and geez, they, just, they, they hand make every rifle still to this day. So you've, they've got about 12 gunsmiths and they're just going hard making um, from scratch. So, yes, that's not one. And, uh, it's, well, yeah, I'm looking at a picture. I'm looking at a picture of one beautiful walnut stock. It's got that classic um, sort of orangey, almost liver-coloured um, recoil pad on it. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful sort of gloss blue, awesome open open sights, and and a and the integral steel sling swivel or sling stud like on the barrel. Um, and aren't Rigby sort of uh, uh, those Rigby's are really well known for super reliable feeding and extraction for that sort of. Um, it's basically a Moore's a ninety eight action, which is we all know about those. Yeah, and it's a controlled feed, super smooth though. They've they've just tuned it and tuned it and tuned it, and obviously lacked the crap out of it, and it's super smooth. 
Well, as you'd expect from that sort of gun. Um, but I was just really impressed with the accuracy. I did not expect it to be shooting one inch five shots at 200 yards. Like, that's pretty... That's that's good enough for a gun that I make. Um, yeah. That would put it a half inch at 100 or better because I've only got a, a Suaro sort of 2 to 12 on it, so it's not like a high magnification scope. That that's really cool because yeah, the, there is a lot of those sort of top end things that are that look amazing, and and they might you know especially in rifles they look amazing. They might feed really nice and have a really nice cool feeling bolt, but they're not always. A lot of them are, most of them are, but you know you're not you don't always associate a beautiful classic uh, older style rifle like that with with super high end accuracy. You'd be you'd be stoked to get an inch out of it, you know. Yeah. And if and it, then- yeah, and if that's, it, yeah, you would be, wouldn't you? Yeah, and that's what I thought. I never mm. expected anything. That's what was pretty cool. I was just like, wow, that's, <laughs> that is bloody really good. Yeah, you would have been pumped. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, that's a lovely color. I thought it might it might have been a big um, a big thumper, you know. But so that's a hundred and forty grain pill. Must be reasonably rely uh, uh, mild to shoot. Very. It's a great gun because of that. Mm. I, um, it's quite a famous cartridge, the 275 Rigby. Um, a few famous uh, hunters have used them. Uh, William Bell, I think, Killerman. Yeah, there's a, yeah but they, they use them in Africa. And or A guy shot some, a lot of bloody tigers in India with one. I can't remember his name. Um, but, um, yeah, William Bell, I think, maybe. Mm. Rings a bell. But... Uh, Famous caliber, but it's basically a seven times fifty-seven, and I've worked up a load for it, and it must be pretty hot because it's squirting those one forties out at bloody near three grand. So mm. that's seven times fifty-seven is a little bit more compressive than a seven mil eight, though. So it's about yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say sort of like a like a hot um, seven mil eight. Yeah, yeah. Modern day powers have helped that cartridge a lot, and uh, bullet selection. They used to run one sixty grain um, soft points in that, but now you've got all these seven mil bullets in it. So it's a seven mil. You actually run a seven mil. You can so you could run an ELDX in it or something. You could do, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, if I find the old one forty Acubon, if it's that accurate, there's mm. not we're going to do some damage, I'd say. Yeah, mm. yeah, mean. Yeah. Um, shall we hook into our topic? Yeah, bloody got carried away there for 20 minutes. No, no, nah, nah, it's good, it's good. Um, yeah. Knives and butchery. Yeah. She's another biggie. She's another sort of yeah. uh, big fundamental, you know, topic. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of Kiwis and a lot of hunters are, um, like a nice, a cool sort of personalised piece, I reckon, for Kiwis mm. and... Um, you can go through a few trying to find good ones, but they're quite a, it's a bit like that flash gun, you know, that nice, beautiful looking thing, but a lot of the time they're not that good. They're not that accurate or they're not uh, very user-friendly. Knives are a lot the same. You can get some beautiful looking knives and you're like, geez, that nice mint, you know, but uh, end of the day, knives need to cut really well they've basically got what, what what's a knife so it's 
It needs to be reliable like a firearm. It needs to, you can't have a knife that's letting you down. Um, you know, you get through one deer, you get onto the next, and oh, I'm a nice blunt. And then you, you steal it up, and oh, it's blunt. It's the, you just don't want that. So um, most of my knives are tools, and you'd be probably surprised. Um, you may be not surprised, or, and the listeners may not be either, but m- my best knives are the cheapest knives. They're basically that for our YouTube um, watches. That's a Victory Knox, and it's just a small boning um, blade, very thin, very uh, flexible, sort mm. of. It's, it's, a, a, it's, a, it's a meatworks knife. It's, it's a, a meatwork standard boning knife. Those, those I, th- yeah, those things cut more meat than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Period. And, and <laughs> I've had I've had flash swords, uh, which you know, I'm not knocking. They're a bloody good knife too. Uh, I've had bucks, which is a big stainless blade thing. Um, I've had oh this this brand was. Um, Alas- Knives of Alaska, which was D2 steel, which was hard as rock. And uh, this colour actually told me, geez, get one of these. And, and to his credit, once they're sharp, you can do about 20 deer, <laughs> like full, leaving the spleen and guts out, ready for the ready to send off to the works. Um, all, the, all the hocks, everything, and it's still charging. And, I mean, that's... Deer, deer fur and that's quite um, te- and mud and all that shit's taxing on a knife blade but the <laughs> the knives of Alaska yeah he was a, he was a colour and he, he said get one of these so I got one bloody hard hard to sharpen t- takes you're spending half your your weekend sharpening the bloody thing and then once it's sharp it's all good but um, so yeah I've, I've been around the block and Essentially going back to the Vixenox for most of my stuff because I've got um, a good good mate of mine's a butcher and he just he's he's killing every day, he's cutting up every day and he just says, mate, get these. Mm-hmm. And they're cheap and you can have a few on the go, they take bugger all to sharpen and um, once they're blunt, they they take they're straight back there with them within seconds really yeah man we, we, me and you're in, in very similar camps on the knife thing um I, I, yeah i'm a um vertranox mercator guy um mm. i've got a nice chef knife in the kitchen you know a real thin blade low angle bloody thing um <clears throat> but yeah i like the vertranox um vertranox vertranox but it's basically the Swiss Army knife. It's a, it's the same, yeah, it's the same company, brand, isn't it? The yeah, same yeah. Well, Swiss Army knife are made by Vertranox, but yeah. basically it's a um, like I said that you know I I worked in the freezing works for three years um, when I was younger you and, and that yeah pretty much, <laughs> and that that's all we used. And um, you know, going back to the nice knives, you know, like the Bucks or the Gerbers or the um, Svord or having said that, those are three very different knife brands. Um, I mean, there's so many different flash types of knives, right? Um, with a, with a nice bone handle and a and a, and a brass um, guard on them, and a and 
The one bit I really don't like, and the Mercator's got it a little bit, is and the the Vitronox hasn't, is in that the cutting edge on a Vitronox goes right up to the base of the handle. Yeah. So when you're using it gutting, you can yeah you can put the um you can put the handle inside if you want and cut out mm-hmm. with it. You, there's certain techniques that you can do with that, and th- those um, old school style knives that really come along with the edge, and then they do that big kick up into the handle, and then they've got a a, a brass guard sticking down. Um, to me, all that stuff gets a bit niggly doing certain things, and it can catch and hook and um, if like I totally get it. I, I love I love a beautiful knife or a beautiful axe or a not or a beautiful rifle, a nice looking piece as much as the next guy. But when it comes to some to to actually getting the job done and I, re, I really want to cut some stuff, um you never if you want to talk about what is the best knife for getting the job done, you never see a butcher or a guy in the meatworks using a buck. 911 or what what's that famous buck like the one out of the um uh like a bowie looking yeah thing. the bowie looking thing um or a gerber or so they're using a freaking professional you know butcher's butcher's knife um victory make quite nice knives you know the same sort of plastic handle very um basic knives and actually sword are making a doing a plastic handle more of a, a, a um you know worker's knife um and I love the um, Mercator folding pocket knife too. Very small. That's, that's, I'm like you. Um, I, my granddad had one when he was possuming, and there's been, they've always been in my family. The Mercator is the most underrated. It's probably not even underrated because the guys that know hmm. will be sitting there going, oh, yeah, yeah, the old Mercator. And you sharpen them until there's nothing left, and then you get another one, and they're 40 bucks. And literally, um, all these Flash Harry um, lightweight, no handle, wrapped bootlace around, and and all that crap that you know the 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 Yanks have for for their backcountry hunting, and um, even the Havlons that are light, they're plastic with a surgeon blade. The old Mercator, when it's sharp, which is not hard to sharpen, it is a razor, and it's it's long, it's perfect length to be real handy. So, man, that, if you're yeah. listening to this, wanting a lightweight, you'll be surprised what you can do with a Mercator on the hill too. Like um, I've boned out heaps of deer with one. I've done all sorts of shit with it, you know. Mm. Probably skinned it. I remember skinning bloody half a kettle beast when, when I called into my mates one day and he was out the paddock, sort of thing. You know, that sort of thing. Um, so, oh, sorry for interrupting, but carry on. No, no, you're right. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's just, uh, um, for starters, for hunting, very slim profile. Very, very slim and, and um, low profile, takes up bugger all space, and uh, it's fairly light. However... It's very well built and quite strong, unless you're an absolute muppet with it, you know. And, and I know guys that have. Um, I remember years ago, my mate shooting a two big stags, may or may not have been in the farmer's paddock, maybe near the boundary. Can't quite remember. It's a bloody long time ago. Like we're talking twenty, twenty-five years ago, and he rings me up. What are you doing? 
I've got these two stags and I've just snapped the blade off my pocket knife and he had this silly, it wasn't a Mercator, he just had this silly handled little pocket knife. But, um, and, and I guess we'll get to this later on with technique and stuff. Um, but uh, Mercators are very well made, very strong. Um, made in Germany, eh? Made in Germany, very good profile. And the, the, the shape of the blade, the profile of the blade, the narrow drop point, and like you say, if it's sharp, um, I mean, I've butchered and boned out and gutted and cut up a, a lot of deer with a with a um, virtu- uh, with a mercator. Even big stags, it's good as gold. You can bone out a whole animal, no worries at all. They're they're reasonably hard. They're probably they're definitely a bit harder than a virtuinox but then they're not as hard as something like a sword. Um, so they keep an edge pretty good, but then they're also relatively easy to sharpen. But it's the profile. It's the profile. That narrow blade, like for doing, um, getting in and doing neck joints, and, um, you know, I, I like that finer point of like a Vertrinox boning knife or a Mercator or something like that. And I definitely like the drop point for gutting and... Um, skinning and things like that i don't like you know a, a knife that um the point hook hooks back up like a bowie style don't like that um the mercator if you don't know what we're talking about it's basically a blade and then it's got two pieces of steel that the blade folds into and that's it so the yeah. handle's just two pieces of sheet metal the handle's and, actually one piece folded over yeah is it actually yeah, yeah it is <laughs> And then the blade just folds around and into that. So you're looking at probably five mil thick yeah. all told. Yeah. If that. And and the Mercator, if 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 the if the um Vertrinox cuts has cut cuts more meat per day in New Zealand than anything else, which it probably does, because if you walk through any freezing works in New Zealand, it'll be ninety eight percent Vertrinox. The Mercator would probably have a pretty good go at at gutting and chopping up more deer and skinning more possums in New Zealand than anything else. You know, like the amount of professionals that use Mercators. Um, granted, a lot of guys like something a bit bigger, but man, the the throughout history in New Zealand as a hunting knife, man, they sort of speak for themselves if you if you know a little bit about it. Yeah, what for me? What they are is they're a pocket knife that's very slim, um, and it's just always in my pocket on the farm, especially like I try not to hack shit with it because it's my I like I like it sharp, and uh, you know I'm not cutting, I'm not using it as my mainstay. It's the old knife that's just always in my pocket, and it's like, oh shit, I wish I had a knife on me situation. Um, it's that knife for me, but. I do take it on every um, long-range hunting trip because I use it for cutting up my salami and my crackers, and I never forget it. So if I do forget my big knife, I'm not standing on the side of the hill going, oh, shit, I've just robbed this big old velvety that I want to eat, and that is my knife. Yeah. And that'll do it, piece of piss. Dude, I, the last several years... Um, all I carry in the bush is a Mercator, and I carry two. 
So everywhere I go, there's a couple of bits of kit I always want two of. I've always got two lighters because I'm pretty buggered without them. I've got spare ammo in two places, so if I lose a pouch, I've still got spare ammo. Um, I've got two torches the whole time because you, yeah. you're pretty much well buggered without one in m- most hunting situations. And I've got two knives because if you lose or break one, you mm. are screwed. Mm. And um, the Mercator, I'm, I'm more than happy um, gutting, skinning, and boning out an entire animal with it. I've also uh, caked out a couple of animals with Mercators and I head skinned my uh, tar with a Mercator. More than happy, completely head skinning an animal with the, with a sharp Mercator. And in fact, I would actually prefer it over a lot of different knives because again, it's got that, that knife shape and that tip. I can actually mm. get in and that, 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 because it's not a aggressive drop point. It's, it's just, it's got it there, but it's not really steep and you can actually put that, blunt side against the bone and slide it around and it just I just love them and uh, switching to just Mercators and carrying two um, it enables me to carry two knives everywhere and that's lighter than a lot of bigger knives and I've got two and now I've got two sharpened blades too so um you know, if I shoot two deer, or I can I can uh, gut and bone out and cape out with one, and then that's lost its edge a bit, and I've got a razor sharp one there to head skin or for the next day or whatever. So I really love that system having, and I've got one in my belt pouch right there to pull out straight away, and I've got another one in another little bag in my day bag or main pack. You know. Yeah, I run one Mercator and a Havlon. Yep. Um, and I do, the reason I got the Havlon is um, Ben Tumata got me onto it. And it's got, because it's got those surgeon blades and you can carry, I think I always got about 10 of them in the pouch with mm. the Havlon and it's, it weighs, I don't know, uh, I'd hate to think how light it is. But the reason I've got that is um, you can get different strength stainless um scalpel blades for it too so you want to get the stronger ones and caping out with that is just a breeze it's just mm. a dream like all around the eyes and and in the bloody um sensory areas and the, and then through the you know doing the gums it's just if that blade goes blunt you just snap it off bang another one on and you can basically you won't go through more than two for one head skin, mm. and if you go through two, then you've you've cut the bone too much or hit the teeth. The bloody uh, teeth are the hardest part on any animal, yeah. and if you hit those too often, uh, you'll blunt your knife. So I use that Havlon just for that, nothing else, because um, no good for well, – it's okay, but it's not really good for boning out and that because and skinning because it – they just break if, uh, if you're trying mm. to do big jobs. And I just use the Makeda as well. So there's two tiny knives that it's basically like, um, I don't know, Roger Farrelly versus Mike Tyson sort of stuff. Yeah. Like being Roger Farrelly and um, the big buck Bowie being Mike Tyson. Um, you're getting a lot of bang for your buck. Yeah. And you're getting a lot more performance than you would imagine. And it's just funny. It's, it's not 
All I can say is get him a cater and see how far you can go with it. You'll be surprised. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, and man, I mean, knives are as as sort of we were talking about bullets and stuff last time, and um, basically that there's no. There's no best, there's no one size fits all, but it's just sort of understanding it and then choosing a good option and, and knowing why you're choosing what you're choosing and what knowing how to use it properly and what you're going to get out of it and all that sort of thing. So, um, I mean, to me, the Mercator, exactly what you just said, I reckon that's a great starting point, man, And but you've got to know how to sharpen it. Um, and I guess that's getting into our next topic. Um Vertranox, great starting point. Again, you're gonna you're gonna need to know how to sharpen it. If you like, you know something that looks a bit nicer, and there's nothing wrong with that, man. If you if you you know getting a nice flash bit of kit that pleases you, and then going out of your way to cart that around and use it, um, that's cool, man. Go for gold, and uh, yeah, you sort of bucks, Gerbers, swords. There's, there's literally hundreds, if not thousands, of, of good knife brands. Um, those a, lot of Kiwi, a lot of Kiwi guys now building. Mm. I think there's a guy, Sam Harrison. He's mates with mm. old Josh James, mm. I think, and he's building some beautiful-looking knives. Mm. Dude, um, dude, this is complete coincidence that I have this sitting here. Yeah. This thing here, man, holy heck. What's he got? Th- that... Can you see that? Yeah. So I'm holding up a bone handle knife, beautiful little bone handle knife, stainless steel blade, fixed blade, quite thick. It's heavier than I, I wanted. Um, but can you see what that's modelled off? It sort of looks like a Makeda. That is, I think it's um, scale and a half. You know, yeah, one and a the half. Blade definitely looks like Mercator. Dude, Obviously, it's, the handle doesn't. But it's a hundred. Well, even if you the Mercators are quite, they have that little knob sticking. Down. It's it's a Mer, it's it's guys handmade. This yeah. antler handle brass. Um, yeah. And and dude, it is ridiculously sharp and it is ridiculously hard. Um, I mean, you, you, that, you know what that would be great for. Everything? Yes. <laughs> it's, it just strikes me as like a trout fishing. Also looks bloody good when you're making client sandwiches and cutting tomato and cheese and salami and, you know, gutting trout and ducks and breasting ducks and all that sort of jazz. That knife looks like the real ducks nuts. That's, that's high-end sort of mercator so looking. That, that would be, for me, <laughs> because I'm, again, um, if, if you're used to some different blade shape, a Mercator might be a pain in the ass for you. I've grown, I've been same as you. My dad used them, and um, I've been using them since I was a kid. And I've, I've cut more things up with Vertranox and Mercators and anything else. So it just it just works for me, you know. Um, but that blade shape for me, um, which is a re- for people that are listening, it's relatively slim. Uh, it's fairly symmetrical, actually. It's just a fairly straight blade with that that just curves down. You have to, if you just Google Mercator and see the blade. This is I'm holding it up on screen now for people that are watching on YouTube. This is um, 
There may be photos on Instagram on this. Or I think it might be on Big Game Indicating Dogs, actually. Um, Who made that? Uh, guy in Aussie. Um, oh, what's his name? Um, Aussies, Aussies enough. <laughs> and uh, Aussie. Here he is. Fo- he's followed <laughs> the pointer on Instagram. He followed the blueprint. Um, nah, he hasn't got his name on his Instagram. He's a bit of a oh, sort of low key fella. Um, oh, there's a photo of the there's a photo of the knife on follow the pointer on Instagram. Um, he made it in 2018, but um, you know something like that, like it's going out of, or even bigger than that, but something like that with an, a well, a quality knife with a with a antler mm. handle or something like that, and a and a and a good quality blade that's sharp. Um, it's you know the problem for me with most sheath knives, and I got that. I can't remember who made that. I'd have to. If that's that's on Instagram. Um, that's one of that that plastic stuff, and it just clips in there, mm. so that can just go on your day bag. Mm. You know the biggest mm. problem for me with sheath knives versus pocket knives, and why I switched just to the straight, just the Mercator, and having them properly sharp and carrying two of them, and I also carry a Bruce a small stone with me too to touch them up. If I yeah. if I need to, yeah. uh, is and with a lot of things, but the the problem with a sheath knife for me is the sh- is when I'm trying to cut down on weight, which I, I always am, you know, and we're spending a lot of money and a lot of time and thought and effort getting our kit down as light as I can. Uh, as far as lightweight, man, the Mercator enables me to go very lightweight with my knives. Very uh, multi-purpose, practical. Again, I have two of them. Um, but if I go to a sheath knife, most sheath knives are going to be bigger than both of my Virtuinox put together. But then the sheath is going to be bigger and heavier than the knife itself in most cases. Um, that's what really... And, and like the big leather sheaths, when I, when I look at how I'm trying to slim down all my kit and that, I'm just looking at them and going, there's no way... <laughs> you know a good thing actually quick tip is um for the sheath you get a milk bottle you cut the, the flat face out of it bend it over and then just tape it with insulation tape mm. and you can slide your knife in and out of there for backcountry hunting and you just biff that in your pack yeah and right you can, and it's just a milk bottle plastic and it'll last you there's a lot of, yeah as long yeah, it's just as it's really light. The only reason I go for that is it's light and it doesn't cut all my clothes to shred mm. if I'm running a, a sheath knife. Yeah. As long as it's f- like this thing here, man. I wish I could remember what this dude's called. His Instagram is because that there is rock solid and it weighs nothing. That's why yeah. I got it made. It's the, it's that plastic stuff that they fold over and you heat it, you know, and and yeah, for, oh, form it around. I think they might even use vacuum pack. To, yeah. to suck it in around the knife or something funny like that, or they they warm it up and fold it around and shape it, and now it it you know it clips in firm. Um, yeah. Love the sound of your milk bottle idea. The only thing that strikes me is if your knife is in the wrong position and you hit it real hard. Kid, oh yeah, kid. no, you put you got to put it in your jacket or something, roll it up in your jacket or something. Yeah, you can't just be running the thing. All it, I'm it saying, is, it costs you nothing, yeah, and it cuts your weight, and it's actually going to stop it cutting stuff. But like you say, mm. if you did ass over and it wasn't wrapped in your jacket, dude, that's 
that's, that's out the side. <laughs> it's a quite a biggie for me, eh? That I, I think, I mean, um, like I've said before, another podcast, I've been shot once, um, mm. but I've been cut a lot more, you know, yeah. and, and as far as injuries go, um, obviously getting shot hunting is a massive hazard. Probably the next common one for hunters is knives, and man, I've I've cut myself a few times, and I've seen a few beauties, eh? Mm. Yeah. Um, shall we, um, conscious of time, shall yeah. we start talking about how to sharpen these bloody things? Because that's probably, if you're listening, what yep. and some ball ache. Yeah. Um, I've been doing sharpening knives. I'm 38, and I've been doing them since I was a little kid because I've. Obviously, living on the farm, always had bloody knives, always cutting baling twine. They're always blunt. You, you, lot of bugger farmers have got time to be sharpening knives. Mm. So it's bullock and it's a pain in the ass. And if you don't know how what you're doing or how to do it or you haven't got a system, it's hit and miss. Sometimes you'll get a bloody nice sharp and then you'll be like, oh, you're beauty. And then the next time you really need the bloody thing sharp, you've done a heap of work with it and then you just can't get it sharp and then it sucks. So we'll, we'll hit that, eh? Yep. Uh, yeah. I've, I know a lot about this. I'm the same as you as in using knives right from a kid on the farm and I was a bit unusual in that I was obsessed with knives from a really, really young age, almost to a bit of a weird, um, the point of being a bit weird, but, um, uh, and I used to collect knives right from a really young age, and, and I was just obsessed, and, you know, the old, on the farm, so there were stones and steels lying around, and I'd just spend days just wrecking knives, just sharpening them over and over again, and I could get a knife razor sharp by the time I was about 10. And then I obviously hunted all my life. And then I went on to work in the freezing works for three years. And I had a job that actually gave me quite a bit of free time. And, and the main way I keep myself occupied was sharpening knives. And um, and I was quite lucky with the freezing works. You get a bit of training. And, and I worked with a few dudes that were really freaking good at sharpening knives and learnt all about it you know um and it's kind it real as, as far as the professional style of sharpening a knife with a stone and a steel it's basically near on impossible to say to get across how to do it properly in a podcast with with uh with you know just the spoken word but well I guess we can quickly go over the fundamentals of it. It's um, yeah. I reckon you talk about just from just for me. Mm. I reckon for and from I want to hear it from you. It's probably um, angles and like the shoulder mm. and and what like um, what what factory knives come with, like how they come with that real um, profound angle and. And what do you do with it? How do you get rid of that? Or oh, yeah, what do you do to sharpen those little knives? And like you say, um, it's sort of a feel thing with the stone, but you've yeah, want to sort of just mm. for the listeners, like how do you okay. how do you get it done? What's the what's the basic? Yeah, well, probably uh, one really good thing 
about going for more of a professional, a, a knife that is more intended for a professional use, like a Mercator or a Vertronox. Is both the, to me, both the Mercator and the Vertronox have a very good uh, factory edge to start with. The yep. Vertronox tend to be pretty well freaking razor sharp straight out of the box. Then there's there's a lot of different edges too. The knife that a professional chef would, that the edge that a professional chef would put on a knife, is very different to the edge that a butcher will put on a knife for boning and skinning and everything. Particularly boning, uh, a, a chef knife is very fine. A but a good butcher's knife is is um, has a, a actually a relatively steep micro bevel on it. So a knife edge really generally has three angles on it. It's got I'm holding the knife up here. It's got the entire face of the blade. If you look at that as one angle, right from the very back edge, the face of the blade when you're looking at it. Then it's got uh its first bevel, which is often, you know, five to seven to ten millimeters long, depending on the angle of the knife and how thick the blade is and all of that sort of thing. Yeah, see um, I was I call that the shoulder because I don't know why, but I just feel like it's a shoulder mm. that you either, yeah, you know, it's all you can see it on a brand new knife that's not a Vixenox and that, like a um, you know, the brand new, because um, factories put them on there, don't they? That's how they get that first sharpen. Yeah, <clears throat> and then and then traditionally, I mean, every. Pretty much everyone in the freezing works, and definitely all of the guys that were the guys and girls. Actually, there were a couple of um, chicks that had ridiculously sharp knives. Uh, all of the people that had very very sharp knives all run a micro bevel. So you've got the face of the blade, you've got your next angle that you can see, and then so when you're stoning, we put that first. Um, that first shoulder on, if you will, that that edge that's quite easy to see that you've you've ground or you've stoned in that that one face, and that's probably at about seventeen degrees. About what a good and a good chef knife is just that, and it goes so it goes from the face of the blade down to the beginning of that, and that is about seventeen degrees, and it's just that, and that's a very fine. That'll that's that'll shave like crazy. It'll slice a tomato or an onion or something like that like mad. But you try it, it'll skin okay, but it'll go blunt fairly quick, cutting here and things like that. But you try um, going through joints firmly with it, or you try marking bone with it, or and, a, and an important part of boning is uh, and what that micro bevel does. An important part of boning is, is cutting into the bone and then sliding along the bone and mm. and you're doing that you're sliding that blade down the bone peeling the meat right off the bone and that's running on that micro bevel that little micro shoulder on the end and without that you've got a real annoying catchy sticky knife it's a pain in the ass even filleting fish it's a pain in the ass um so what you're doing is you, you put that first edge on and we're stoning very very important to keep a consistent angle, but what's also important is pressure. Same angle, same pressure on both sides, and you, you're going at about 17 degrees, and you're getting it all the way from the very heel of the knife blade, right down by the handle, right up to the tip, and you have to you know, lift and curve as you get, and just, just watch what you're doing, and 
A lot of it's by feel, but a lot of it's by looking at it. And then we would do that, doing it perfectly, like taking a knife right back that's completely blunt. We would pushing or pulling across the stone? Uh, pulling, pulling. Yeah. So generally starting at the... In, in one way or both ways? So you're not pushing and pulling on stone? When, when we're really hooking in and, uh-huh. and say, talking about teeth and how teeth ruin a knife edge, I did 90% of my three years on the head chain and I did 90% of that cheeking out. Mm. Um, and I used to go and scalp in my spare time. I'd peel out a few and go and scalp, So, um, which is basically head skinning. It's different because you open them up right down the bottom here, um, but you do all the eyes and the ears and around the lips and all of that. So he, uh, head skinning was my first one was pretty easy for me. But... Um, Let's say we have hit a tooth hard with your knife cheeking out and you, and so you're starting all over again. Sometimes you'd start, and, and everyone did, pretty much everyone did that too, and you're going backwards and forwards, just ripping it down. Yeah. Coarse side or, uh, you know, how the cor- stone's got yeah. a coarse side? Generally coarse first. Start yeah. Do your, your bulkier work with the coarse. Yep. backwards and forwards, ripping it down, and you've got to keep, and you can see that first edge. You've got to keep an eye on what you're doing because you can, if, if you're a bit, and you generally go, say, 10 or 15, 20 strokes on one side, 10 or 15, 20 strokes on the other. You've got to keep everything even and consistent. Um, when you first, one big thing with knife shafting, man, is you see people trying to copy professionals that have been doing it for 20 years, and they're trying to do the speed stealing and speed stoning. Uh Really good, I think, just to slow down and try to get everything square and consistent, both sides. And, and that's one key thing there. Um, so, yeah, don't do that. Whatever you do, like you, you might think you're a master, but just I've actually like got a, you know, a couple of mates that are well, one's a butcher, the other one's like you working the works, and they just casually. It's their downtime as they're stealing this thing. Yeah. And you can't argue with their knives because they like a little flick like that and you've got no fingers. That's how sharp they are. So just take your time <laughs> because I see guys like get out and the adrenaline's pumping. <laughs> and <laughs> just holy heck, watch out for your, your hands. Yeah. You know, alone, um, for Keeping one, your angles right, but yeah, carry on, Yeah, sorry. for one, it's a very good way to cut yourself. For two, the guys with the sharpest knives in there, there was a guy, Kenny, um, on the on the slaughter floor in Tiaroha, and he was famous for having the sharp one of the one of the sharpest knives. And we actually had a machine come through that measured all our knives uh, to the point one out of ten. So you could have an 8.6 or you could have a 9.4 or a 9.5 or a 7.2. And not only that, but it cut a piece of gauze. You clamped your knife in it and it and it so you had this vertical bit of gauze and it cut your knife pushed down through it from the tip all the way to the heel of the blade on a 45 degree angle down like that. And and it measured the pressure that it took to cut through that gauze. And there was a strand in the gauze every one millimeter. So it it measured your knife to the point one out of ten every millimeter apart down your whole blade, so you could say, "Hey, your, your tip's not as good," or you need to work on your base, or whatever it is. Um, 
about the sharp the sharpest score they ever measured was a uh nine point six, which was a brand new knife that one of the best guys just just touched up, doctored it up beautifully. And they measured it. Nine point six is about the sharpest a knife can get. Um Kenny got a nine point four. Um, a lot of guys got a. I got a nine point four. I just happened to have a. My knife was running really well that day, but um, my knife wasn't always that good. But in talking about technique and speed, Kenny, when he was stealing, was all like head cocked over, yeah. little little finger sticking out, just like he was making love to this freaking thing, like 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 oh, an, yeah. a, like a freaking artist man with the paintbrush, just just really you know almost like tongue sticking out the side like stealing his knife um but back to stoning so so you've got a bargain knife you've just hit a tooth or you dropped on the concrete you'd basically get your your um i've got to do a video on this but get your angle right and just you're just ripping backwards and forwards on both sides just rip getting that steel down and then when you're finishing that first sort of 17 odd degree bevel as you get to the end of that, you, you just pull forward, just pushing, you're pushing the sharp edge into the stone and tidying it up, getting it all nice and square and even. And then you jump over to the smooth stone and, you, and you'd smooth that off, like going through the grits and sandpaper. And you're taking... So it. When you go to the smooth side, you still going 17... Yep. Oh, you know, yep. Oh, you're so, you are, you, you, so you so you so you 120 grit. I mean, so you 80 grit. Mm. Now you're down to 150 grit. Yeah, it's more like a thousand. It's more like a thousand or more 1200. Real fine hard stone, and and you get that first bevel perfect there to where you could steal that and shave with it. Um, very very sharp, and but then what you do. In a in a um, butchery scenario, as you step step it right up, and a lot of guys are pretty freaking steep. Like you're talking thirty to even almost forty degrees. Sure. And um, but at least 30, 35 degrees. You can maybe say twenty five. I don't actually know what it is. It's just I just look at it and go, oh, it's about there. It's probably actually twenty five yeah. to thirty. But yeah. some guys and freaking sharp are getting right up there, and then those strokes. Uh, that's when you're almost getting the old Kenny's getting the little finger sticking out and the tongue in the corner of his mouth because he's just and, and this that's is just pulling, pulling on that. You, you, you're, you're quite fine now. You're quite delicate, eh? Very, very delicate, and you're pushing the sharp edge into the stone. So if you were shaving hair off your hand, how you're actually you're you're pushing with the sharp edge down in to shave hair off. That's mm. what you're doing on the stone. You're cutting that that cutting edge into the stone sort of mm. thing. But it's obviously got to slide over top, not cut in, which can actually happen with a soft stone and a very sharp edge. So it's very, very light. You're almost doing it with just a tiny bit more than the weight of the knife to just keep it connected with the stone. And and you're just, you, you know, with that first sharpen, you can actually sometimes do six or eight strokes on either side and you've basically got to hold it up to the light and you can just see that micro bevel on the end glinting and then you stone that up. And then you might use that for a day just stealing it up. And you're stealing it up between every animal, which in the meatworks is a minute of cutting and then 
four to six to eight strokes on a on a nice smooth steel, mm. and you might get a day, maybe two out of that if you don't make a mistake, and then the next day you can just touch up that micro bevel again, get you know eight or ten or twelve strokes, and that micro bevel gets a bit bigger, and you'll get another day or two out of that, and you maybe do that again until that micro bevel gets quite big and now your edge is getting too chunky and you just can't get it back and then you rip it down again. Mm. You rip that 17 degrees down again. Yep, yep, yep. No, that's basically what I do. Um, I've done the chef way too because I actually did a chef course because my mum put me through it. And that was more of what you said. It's getting rid of all... So basically from... The top of your blade, the back of your blade, sorry, like the right down um, is one angle. Ver- that's very, very, very fine, eh? It is. And yeah. it, the reason that's no good for doing a lot of stuff is because you actually chip yep. quite chunky bits off because yep. it's too, too fine. Um, and it'll be sharp for small, like short periods. Mm. But it is easy to you get like when you steal it up, you'll get it sharp quick again. But yep. you'll have to really, um, you, 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 it's very labour intensive to get sharp, use, get sharp, use, get sharp. It's a real. Uh, it's good for some things, but not a lot of stuff we do. Mm. Like it's. Um, I've got places for that, and I've got knives for that, and I'll have a Vixenox that's got quite a you know, good bevel on it that's hardy, but then I've got one that's like that that I just cut meat, and I'm only and I only use my wood board yeah. and stuff like that, you know, because plastic boards bloody blunt and knives. I tell you that plastic terrible, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess just to think, because I pretty much went through the full process of that. That was good, yeah. I'm I'm hearing, I I get what you do, and that's what I do too. And I reckon that's the only thing I don't, um, that I find hard to, for people is the angles, but it's more, like you say, it's a feel thing. Big feel. But the the things I took out of what you said was um, consistency, which is like accurate rifles, consistency mm. uh so if you're doing 12 that side yeah on that angle you do 12 that side on that angle mm. then you have a look oh yep no yep yep and then you and so if you do that enough it won't really you might be doing a 17 degree angle i might be doing a 14 but that doesn't matter because then when we put that sharp edge on you might be doing 23, I might be doing 27, but they'll, it'll, <laughs> there's more than one way to skin a cat, and you'll get your knife sharp, and we're just slightly different, mm. and it will stay sharper for longer or less or whatever, but it, you'll get your bloody knife sharp, so don't dive into the inertia of, because um, Lansky's, I suppose we should talk about Lansky's um, sharpness. Yeah, we should. Yeah, because... Um, a lot of guys out there will have the big Lansky and they're bloody good. And they are dead set, set the bloody stone for 20 degrees and swing it across the bloody thing. And, and hey, they work. Mm. But it's very bang on, precise sharpening. But um, you don't 
stone like that. So if you don't have a landscape, and they're not cheap. No, um, not, yeah. They're a bit of a set up, you know. So I think I honestly think a landski is a very good option for for a lot of people, yeah. um, to just get, get put all the bullshit aside and just sharpen yeah. your knife, you know. Um, yeah, when, and that's how you'll get bang on consistency. Mm. Um, just be just with the landski, make sure you're lubing the, the steel because um, lubing the stone. The stone. Yeah, yeah. A lot of in the freezing works, we used to use a lot of water and soap, and keep. Yep. There's different schools of thought on this, and and you can come unstuck because one someone will say, oh nah, let the let the slurry form up on the stone. But there's different types of stone too. There's water stones and oil stones, and so so. Oil stone, water stone. Yeah, but I find if I'm ever dealing with steel, I lube, and yep. from friction and steel, I just lube. I, You've, you've got to use something. You've got to use something, either oil or water. I like keeping my stone very clean as, yes. as, as that water turns brown and gets full yeah. of steel and, and um, ground up stone. That, what that slurry is for listeners is that's steel particles. Mm. And they are like a sandpaper in their own right. So And it's, and it's also a mixture of stone that's mm. worn off the stone. So it's steel and stone and... Yeah, that's abrasive shit, and you wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't want that shit around my the the edge. I'm trying to get razor sharp, but there there are some styles of Japanese soft Japanese water stones that and and they actually give you a different stone that you start with and you grind it up and get that slurry going, and then the slurry is what helps you sharpen the knife. That's a different thing. I like to keep it very clean, and I actually like it. Um, a very hard style stone that doesn't get that slurry going in it and the, the cutting edge of my knife doesn't bite into the stone as I'm trying to, I just don't like those soft stones because they, they can be very, very good. I just didn't learn on them. I actually like a, um, a hard Arkansas style stone. That's a type of stone that you can get if you Google Arkansas stone. Um, it comes from Arkansas in the States, I think. Um, and it's very, very hard. You can get very, very smooth, super hard um, Arkansas stone. And because it's hard, sometimes with those soft stones, when I, when I, when I get that first bevel bang on and then I step up to that micro bevel and I'm trying to slide, um, my because it's a soft stone, my knife edge is actually cutting into the stone. So I'm actually chiseling stone off with the frickin' with my knife, which isn't conducive to sharpening a knife as cutting stone. I want a very hard stone that my knife's going to slide over top of it and the stone's going to cut my knife, not the other way around. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, just back to Lansky stone. Yeah. Um, Can I just real quick, and then we'll yeah. hook into that. Um, stealing is the same as stoning, and when you do that, Sick that micro bevel you steal at the same angle as what you stone. Um, and and a really good technique for starting is you hold the handle so the bottom of the hand, the end of the handle is pointing at the floor, and the end of the steel is pointing right at your face. And you can actually look straight down the steel and, and watch the angle of your knife like that and watch your yeah. freaking thumb. We're actually trained. The health and safety lady at the meatworks used to walk around. Your thumb was meant you're meant to hold your 
steel, like I'm holding my hand up now, not with your thumb around the, the end of the steel. Your thumb is yeah. actually laying against your index finger. Yeah. So if you go down past the guard, you're just swiping at thin air. You're not swiping at your thumb. But be careful stealing, and that's a really good technique. Steel pointing up at you, looking down, and and you train yourself to get the feel for the edge, and then later on you can relax a bit more. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lanskys, you were just starting on them. Yeah, well, we don't, we don't want to go too far over uh, the hour, but um, now we're good. I don't think the Lanskys need too much explanation either, because you buy it; it's got angles written on it. And you can choose whatever angle because it's going to consistently put the same one on that side. You flip your knife over, put the same one on that side. So you choose um, your angles mm. and away you go. You'll get a sharp knife if you do 15 that side on 20, 15 that side on 20 at, or, or whatever you do. Yeah. You'll end up with a sharp knife. Uh, mm. It's a no-brainer. And it, what it does with the Lansky turf, you... It follows the whole blade on a, on an arc, so it's quite good at getting the the heel to the tip. Consistent pressure, bloody consistent angle right around the arc. Whereas stoning, like like we've said earlier, it's actually a real feel. Practice makes perfect thing. It's so, an art, man. It's a real yeah, and, and, art. Yeah, and it takes. For, it takes a long, lot of years of really diving into it to get to get mm. to where you are probably, and mm. um, I'm, I'm probably not where you are, but um, I bloody know how to get a good sharp knife. But sometimes it takes me longer than others. But mm. I've got the same process as you. Uh, but yeah, sometimes that's probably why I pick these knives because they they don't give me too much jiff, you know. Mm. Well, that's a really important point that we, we touched on super briefly is that, um, you know, Vertronox isn't a, a super hard knife. It's freaking not, you know. Um, and and most professionals don't want a super hard knife um, because, yeah, the, 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 they're a happy medium where they're easy to sharpen, um, they're easy to keep sharp with a bit of stealing, I mean, there's arguments both ways, right? And, and again, it comes back to bullet, you know, the same bullet thing. Like, do you want speed or do you want expansion or penetration? And neither is right or wrong. Um, softer steel is easier to get sharp and easier to touch up, but it's going to go blunt quicker. There's a very good argument to make that hunters are out in the field. They're not going to have their big stone or a steel with them, so a very hard knife that's going to stay sharp longer is good. And that, there's a great argument for that too. I think they're both um, good arguments. But uh, yeah, Vertronox aren't that hard. I really like it. Um, it's easier to sharpen. It's easier to touch up. Um, I can yeah, easily do just, it. Yeah. Just touching on what you just said, I think a really good in-betweener is the Sword. The yeah. Sword blades, are they're not soft. They're not hard by any means. But... They're fairly they are, hard. But, uh, sorry? They're, they're fairly, fairly hard. They're carbon steel, aren't they? Mm, they are, yeah. So they're, they're rust. They're really hard, but they are not, they're not really fat steel. They are quite... You can get a pretty good edge on them pretty quickly. 
Dude, I've seen some freaking hideously sharp swords, man. Like yes. some guys that know what they're doing, and, they're, and I'm like, oh, can I have a look at your knife? And I've like touched it on my nail and shave it. I'm like, oh, it's yeah. freaking sharp. Yeah, so just for me, for, for um, you know, tip for guys, the swords are bloody good. They're bloody cheap if you just get the basic. Bloody mm-hmm. don't get the fancy mahogany handle and all the jazz. Just get the, get the plastic ones they do now. Mm. That there is a pretty good hunting knife because it, it's it's in between that hard, hard, or the soft Vixen Ox, mm. and they've got some bloody good shapes. Like they got all purple. They've got a lot of they shapes. They do, yeah. I, I, um, I wouldn't get a big skinner, they call them, because they're just a pig of it. I don't like them. They're pigs of things. Yeah, I don't really I like them. A lot of my skinning is done with this. Oi, interesting interesting <laughs> fact. Uh, most of the professional skinners at the meatworks, skinning mm. all day, every day, legging and that, most mm. of them used a boning knife. Well, there you go. I just find those big skinners, they're big and cumbersome. Pricks mm. to sharpen because they've got such a weird-shaped curved yep. blade. Yep. And, and like I just said, I like to skin and blow my animals by punching. Yeah. Um, I learned how to do that young, and, I'm, and I've just it's just such a clean skin if you're going to eat the animal. And you're not, and if you do it when they're hot, geez, you can you can whip some um, some skin off pretty quick. So. The big skinners for me, never been a fan. Um, Having said that, yeah, I stuck my second pig with a big skinner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was it was while I was this was while I was working at the meat work. It was freaking razor sharp. I had yeah. I had I used to have the knives that I was using, and I generally had a knife I was mucking around with. It was quite fine, and uh, this it was a, a sow with one dog on it, and. Um, I was trying to grab it and it, it'd flick the dog off and spin around and rip its legs out of my hand and we were like going round and round in circles a bit and then it tried to run out and it jammed its head down. There was like a root sticking out of the bank and it's and it went its head went between the root and the bank and got jammed in there. Like it went almost right up to its shoulders and it got stuck there. The dog like grabbed it on the ear and I just walked up to it with the skinner and like stuck it behind the shoulder. And it just dropped on the spot like he'd shot it. And when yeah. we gutted it, the big skinner had, it was razor, razor sharp. The big skinner had pretty much all but cut its heart right in half. And I sort of went in and then and angled it down. Yeah. Um, and it was just, the heart was just holding together by a little bit on the top. But anyway, tangent, but. Yeah. yeah. Um, just, yeah, probably just wrapping up, like, um, like you said, I reckon those little, you can, there's all sorts of sharpening apparatuses you can buy for in the field, but I reckon a little stone about, um, oh, <clears throat> half the size of your phone sort of thing. Agreed. Um, just for the Mercators and, and even these are good for these. And quite a smooth and, one, eh? Because you can, yeah. if you really stuff up and hit a rock or something, it's just going to yeah. take you longer, but... But for just touch, and you can actually get it quite sharp with a smooth one versus a rough one. Yeah, smooth. And if you've got a smooth enough fine stone, you won't, you won't need a steel mm. also. And you can actually steal, depending on your, your knife, you can actually steal knives on things like um, 
I've seen guys steal their bloody knives on stainless barrels and mm. shit like this. Mm. <laughs> just just anything that like on the back on a on a butter knife and steal on there. Back of another knife or a, yeah. Back of another knife, but yeah. Because steels are heavy, like a decent sort of steel that you get from farmlands and that. They're pretty heavy to pack around, but if you've got a nice, um, quite a hard little stone that's quite fine, mm. you'll be sweet. Yeah, I agree. The hardest and, thing with steel is getting a good quality small one. I've got a steel, a Dickeron, which was 180 bucks almost 20 years ago. So I'd hate to know, know what they'd be worth now. And that's a really high quality steel. It's actually square and it's got a medium on two sides and it's got like a mirror polished on the other two sides. You know, it's really, really good steel. Uh, and, and most of those $20 steels that you get from... With the bridges? Real the, chunky. Um, what are those ridges they put on them? I, you, can I actually, like, you can actually rub them down, eh? With the, no, with, I love a smooth one, eh? You, I don't like those ridgy ones. You can rub those cheap, chunky steel. Because that, that, for example, that steel, if I, when I finish stoning on a good, hard, smooth stone, my flash steel makes that a lot sharper. One of those will actually make it blunter. But you oh, can, yeah, because it's so chunky. But you yeah. can rub those cheap steels down. That's what, because when you get a job at the meatworks, back in, it's probably the same now. Back in the day, you get a free steel. You, they just give you your knife and your apron and your the boots. And, with a white hand on yep. it's about this long, That's a friggin' good steel. Yeah, we used to rub them down, though, um, yeah. generally. And, yeah, um, yeah, same. That, you have to, I reckon, mm. to get it smooth and they're good, yeah. So even those cheap rabbiters steels that you get from 20 bucks from mm. hunting and fishing or whatever, um, generally hideous, brand new, but you can rub, give them a, a rub down with sandpaper, lot, you know, really smooth sandpaper, and just, yeah, you know, you can, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff you can do. You can rub them right down. People used to rub those white ones down till they were polished and then, and then hang them, you get a bottle with a little bit of vinegar in the bottom and you hang it in that and the fumes off the vinegar will rust it and pit it and you get it just right and then you then you rub the rust off and you lift this real fine pitting and that's actually your that's your abrasion and there's all sorts of stuff you can do but um yeah rubbing rubbing those cheap chunky steels down is a good one yeah. smooth them up a bit yeah um you were gonna say something no, no, I just, I just want the listeners to have got something out of it. But I think you've, you've, you hit the nail on the head with uh, most things that guys want to know. Do you know what, um, what I'm carrying at the moment? Um, which is a bit of a shitty one, but a bit of a timey over. Um, I was off on a trip, a, a big backpack trip. I had this beautiful little stone that I actually snapped. It broke in my. It was a real thin little stone, and it broke. I think it broke twice. I think it broke once back in the day and I carted half it around for years and then it broke again. I was like, no, nah, this is just too small. And I was going for a big trip and I wanted to take something and I got a, I can't, can't remember what brand it is, but it's a diamond um, sharpener and it's just like this little like brass tube and the diamond thing is in the middle of it and you unscrew it and turn it round and the tube and then you screw it back in but facing out. So the tube becomes the handle for this little skinny diamond stick. Ooh. It's rough. It's probably about like one of those chunky rabbiters steels, but the Ooh. thing is um, absolutely bulletproof. You know how 
a lot of kit gets wrecked in your day bag. Like if it just lives in your day bag for trip after trip and you pull it out. And some of my first aid kit ends up, right, and you just pull it out like a year later and you're like, man, this thing's just, this roll of tape is just a ball of mincemeat now. Um, but this thing, you just can't kill it because it's, it's in a brass tube that screws in. And that's just, I don't know, something silly happens. And, and I and I, both my knives are really blunt. I can get them back to the point where they will cut, you know. I think you need, yeah. you, you really need something like that. You, you ideally want something. Yeah. yeah this, I think you do. I think mm. on your backpack extended trips, you bloody, you bloody need a sharpener. I know a lot of guys don't take them, and oh, but it's dangerous, man. A blunt knife is a dangerous thing. I've seen guys um, head skinning tar heads and shit, and blunt old um, Mustra's knife. That's you know the big skinner that we're talking about, and, the, and it's just you can see the pressure going through, oh and, you know, and it's just it's a real da- not two things. You'll cock your head skin up because you're putting so much pressure and you'll just boof, cut. And the other one is you, you, you've got a huge risk of cutting yourself. So, yeah, don't don't be that guy. Just <laughs> yeah. get it with the system going. You might not be the best knife sharpener, but if, you, if, you, if you're sharpening all the time, you'll mm. go through a few knives, so don't buy a flash hairy ones. Mm. Just, but get into the habit of you going on a big trip, Bloody sharpen your knife. You, you go and shoot your gun. You go and sort all your ammo out and get your gun humming. But no one bloody bothers with their knife. They pull it yeah. out and it's still rusty from the last trip where the blood's bloody. Um... Yeah, totally agree. And and yeah, you got to put that time aside and and freaking get a Vertronox. Yeah, stone. Yeah, it's pretty simple because you can't like um you can't really cop them up. They come sharp. And you have to do, you've got to be pretty brutal to make them not cut. Mm, get a Vertronox, go into Mitre 10 and get a coarse sharpening stone and get the finest sharpening stone that's there. Get a coarse and a fine and and um, with a brand new Vertronox, try that. That put Just touch that micro bevel up and get a, go get a steel as well. Get a good steel or just get a, a cheap steel and rub it down a little bit to about half the grit from brand new. Rub it down till it feels about as coarse as your fine stone. Uh, try just steal that brand new Vitronox up and you, when you and use it as a kitchen knife for a couple of days and then and then um, bloody find a bit of stainless, bit of steel or a tool out of you and, and just run it real hard over a, a bit of steel and blunting the shit out of it. And then just try touching that micro bevel up on your fine stone. Just give it that beautiful, even, same pressure, same angle, 25, 30 degrees. Get it mint again till it's all smooth and then steal it up and just experiment. Cut stuff with it. Sharpen it again. Cut more stuff with it. Blunting it again. Go to your core stone. Rip that that's that first shoulder right back down to, to nothing and then... Uh, put a new microbe, just experiment, just muck around with it. I think, you know, um, uh, Lanskis and Havlons, I think they're a great freaking option for if, you, if you're going hunting next weekend and you don't know how to sharpen a knife, go get a Havlon or get a Mercator and a, a, or a um, 
Vitronox and a Lansky, and now you've got a sharp knife. And hey, there's nothing wrong with doing that forever either. If you're not the sort of person that gets off on learning these skills, and you're gonna cut with the Lansky and or a Havlon, you're gonna cut stuff. You know, you're gonna be fine. But I do think um, I I. I think it's just a really good skill to have, man, to be able to sharpen a knife with a stone and a steel. Uh, and, and while we're on that, um, chainsaws too. Same as your knife. <laughs> yeah. Learn how to bloody sharpen it. <laughs> because, uh, mate, uh, hey, look, I'm not actually joking. It can turn a shit of a day of getting your firewood sorted for the missile because she's been nagging you all summer and it's bloody near winter into a butter going through macrocarpa or old man pine so and nice. you hardly break a sweat. And it's the same as your knife. It's like, hey, mate, I've got a cull coming up. Do you want to come? You're like, yep, keen as. And next minute you're hacking away on your fourth bloody deer and you're not enjoying it. And we've got you've got another 16 deer to sort out. <laughs> Whereas old mates over there, he's just... With, you know, he's cutting butter with his one. Dude, it's, it's, a re, it's a revered skill. It's like lighting a fire, you know, like when you're in the bush and there's a few people there and it's like, who's going to light the fire? And then everyone sort of looks at each other, so like, oh, you want to do it or I'll do it? And then whoever's lighting it, everyone's sitting around keeping half an eye on them, pretending they're not watching but actually watching how they're doing it and stuff. It's exactly mm. the same with butchery, man. If someone starts cutting something up, everyone's looking yeah. how sharp's their knife, how do you sharpen your knife and... Um, yep. and, and it is bloody satisfying knowing how to do it yourself, sharpening your knife, getting your gun right, going down the hills, shooting something and cutting it up with a freaking sharp knife. It's just, yeah, it's, yeah. it's satisfying. And I think it's, it's a skill that is, I'm not going to say you should have, but it's really nice to have, to be able to do it yourself properly with more traditional tools. But then again, there's these things like <laughs> Lansky's, uh, have lawns which are freaking good to utilize as well. Good place to start is um, the Missos kitchen knives. Yeah, she'll thank you for it. Yep. And um, if, if if you cock them up, who cares? Because we all know kitchen knives are like those scan pans and that. As long as they're not super flash. <laughs> yeah, but hey, everyone. I don't know too many people that have got a heap of sharp kitchen knives, but we do because I I yep. do them. And yep. you must so just they just enjoy like you know she now knows what a blunt knife is and she'll have that. Like I don't I'm not I don't want to borrow that. I'm not cutting shit with that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. People, there. yeah, yeah. And and to be fair, like I mean I'm not too much of a Nazi on it anymore, but um. Uh, you know, I've got a Vertronox in the kitchen there. I've got two. I've actually got a Vertronox boning knife and a skinning knife in the kitchen, and I've got a nice chef knife. knife. Your fillet knife will be a Vertronox. Uh, yeah, I've got a short boning knife that I do a lot of my filleting with, and then yeah. I've got a I've got a proper big long filleting knife. It's not a Vertronox. It's it's, but it's the it's same same man. It's plastic handle. Fairly soft stainless steel, uh, fairly flexible, big long one that I use for filleting, uh, skinning bigger fish. Um, Where's the cheapest place to get a uh, Victor 
Oh, shit, I couldn't tell you because I haven't bought one in so long. But um, because I think obviously I know butchers and that they get them from the those places. There's one in Wellington that my mate sends me to get. I get about bloody twelve of them before I go home down to merch. But um, because you can get ripped on these too. <laughs> like Huntfish will shaft you on these. I'm not bagging Huntfish, <laughs> but they will. You can, because you'll find them one day and you'll be in this little shop and you'll be like, fuck me, there's a Vitronox for 30 bucks. Mm. I just paid 89 at yeah, yeah. It came with that big horrific sheath that I didn't want and um, and that crappy steel I didn't want. Yeah, so Google you don't man. Know, you don't know a cheap spot? No, I don't know a cheap spot off the, well, I do and it's Google and you just Google around and price yeah. me and price spy and stuff like that and yeah, um, just Google thinking. around and try to find a, a good deal. Um, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh, um, we haven't even got on to butchery and techniques, but that's like usual, um, and that's how I like it really, that, that we have more than we can do on one, and then, and then, but that's us next time. We'll actually talk about how we like gutting and butchery and dealing with meat and keeping it clean and flies and all that sort of yeah, stuff. I reckon that's a, that's a whole podcast easily. Mm. And um, uh, if you guys have been messaging me and if you guys have been messaging you, um, just on the knife thing, if you want to know, probably message Paul. But don't be afraid, eh? Just fire mm. a message. Yeah. Or, uh, we'll get back to you at some point. But, um, yeah. Mm. On YouTube, um, just throw a comment in, just like anything. Shot guys, hit the thumbs up. Helps us out on the algorithm a little bit. Um, and even if you like a podcast, screenshot it and throw it up in your story on Instagram or, or copy the link off YouTube and throw it up on your Facebook or something. Um, we're not too phased either way but um, if you do enjoy it it'd be cool if you can help us share it and spread the word a little bit yeah we're not we're not actually angling at anything here we just want to um, I guess one ramble on together and mm. two um, help guys out there that um, that are keen on and there's a, there's obviously a few because I get a few messages and so does Paul so mm. we're not here to make money or anything like that or be rock stars because both of us don't want to be that but um no but you know the more the more we can grow up the more listeners we can get then the the better better we can do it and we can start maybe doing more or put more resources into it and things like that so um yeah get the word out there throw a comment in when you see a few hundred listens and not a single bastard has put a comment in it's like I, wonder, I just think I wonder if they actually like it or it's just you know, oh, it's, yeah yeah who knows but um, yeah. right. uh, not all good man sweet, sweet man. thanks everybody and thanks Ben and we'll see you next time and happy new year hopefully let's hope uh, 2021's better for uh hunting because our roars and, and all sorts got cocked up last year so um, surely, surely not this year Yeah I reckon we'll be up there and I reckon there'll be uh, more stags than usual because they didn't, and they'll probably roar a bit better because they didn't get absolutely pasted last year Yeah, should be a, Should be a cracker mm. Sweet man Hey 
Sweet. Later. See you later. Bye, everybody.